Hello once again, everybody. My name is Tim Muma, and you're listening to Management Decisions here on localjobnetwork.com radio. Of course, this podcast is designed to look at topics related to upper management, maybe some areas where they have some big decisions to make. And of course, with technology being such a big factor nowadays, you have the idea of, well, what's coming next? And our guest today will hopefully allow all of our listeners to get a better idea of what that might be. Now, our guest today is Daniel Burris. He's considered one of the world's leading technology forecasters and innovation experts. He's also the CEO of Burris Research, which is a research and consulting firm that monitors global advances in technology-driven trends. On top of that, he's also a best-selling author. Uh, If you are interested, his book, Flash Foresight, is a New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestseller. Once again, that's Flash Foresight. If you're interested, you'll find a lot more details about some of the aspects we're talking about today. So without further ado, Daniel, thanks for coming on the show today. Hey, it's my pleasure. I really found out about you from an article you had touched on and then obviously in doing more research and found very fascinating some of the ideas you're talking about. I wanted to focus initially on the term anticipatory organization. And I know that might be a lot to cover in uh, in the spectrum that you understand, but how can you break that down for individuals that are listening and what that means? Uh, yes, very much so. Well, it centers around what I consider to be the missing competency that is so needed today. What I mean by that is that we're all good at reacting mm-hmm. and responding. We're good at crisis management. We've learned how to be lean uh, and take the costs out. We've all learned how to be agile because there's so much change taking place. And the best companies know how to execute strategy extremely well. None of those competencies helped Microsoft, HP, Dell, Sony, Blockbuster, BlackBerry, and a host of other companies stay out of trouble. Mm. In other words, they've all learned all the competencies. They have Six Sigma and uh, Black Belts and everything else. (laughs) What's the problem? And the problem is they haven't learned how to anticipate the future. Instead, we spend too much time trying to keep up. So the insight, the first insight I want to share is keeping up is a fool's game. Hmm. What's the advantage of keeping up? Secondly, if you're keeping up, you're always behind because you're keeping up to somebody who's ahead. Sure. So there is no advantage in keeping up. So the key is to jump ahead. But how can you jump ahead with low risk? And therein lies the science of certainty. And uh, the science I've developed over the last 31 years of separating what I call hard trends from soft trends. Now, it seems that right now it is impossible to, as a matter of fact, I think throughout history, the general thinking is it's impossible to predict the future and be right other than death and taxes. Right. But uh, that's actually quite wrong. For example, I remember a number of years ago when I met uh, former chairman and CEO of General Motors before they went bankrupt. Uh, Rick Wagner. And uh, when he knew, of course, I was an author and a speaker and consultant on the subject. And when we met, he said, but I think most executives at the highest of levels think. And of course, he said, well, of course, no one can predict the future and be right. (laughs) And I responded to him by saying, well, let's see, it's summer, next will be fall. Hey, I think I'll be right. (laughs) Now, what I shared with him, of course, is that there's a science of cycles. There's over 300 known cycles Hmm. that give you a a way to see the future. For example, Tim, you know that an astronomer could tell you what exact day will have a full moon in 2025, March. True. And they'll nail it. Do we know when the presidential election will be in the, you know, over the next decade? Well, of course we do. Do we know when Father's Day will be? Well, of course we do. (laughs) And by the way, when the stocks go down, 
we're all selling in panic. And, of course, uh, the head of Berkshire Hathaway, uh, Warren Buffett, is buying. So when we're panicking, he's doing the opposite. And, by the way, when everyone is buying, what's he doing? Well, he's selling. Right. Because he knows there's a cycle. There's economic cycles. There's weather cycles. There's biological cycles. So there's a science of cycles. Now, here's the insight. We all kind of know that stuff. As a matter of fact, economists study cycles, and that is how they predict the future. Mm -hmm. But all of the other listeners today know that the economists have been increasingly wrong. So why have they been so wrong? And that is there's another kind of change that they have no training in how to track and manage. And that's because it always was slow until recently when it's gotten fast. <laughs> I call it linear change. Linear change is not a cycle. Once this kind of change hits, you're changed and you're not going back. For example, once you get a smartphone, you're not going back to a dumb phone. Mm. Once the people in China park their bicycle and get a car, they're not going to say, hey, let's get rid of the car and go back to the bike. Right. Once the people in India get refrigeration for their home, they're not going to say, hey, we don't need refrigeration. These are linear, one-way changes that have predictable consequences and, by the way, opportunities. So there is two ways that you can look at the future, linear changes as well as cyclical changes. And that then brings me to something, again, I've developed over the last 31 years, and that is separating hard trends from soft trends. A hard trend will happen. And if you don't like it too bad, it's going to happen anyway. A soft trend might happen. Hmm. Well, separating that makes all the difference. Right. Because you can't predict everything, but you can predict enough to have a huge advantage. For example, uh, quite a long time ago, did someone say, hey, don't tell Kodak, don't tell Polaroid, don't tell Motorola about digital technology. Let's keep that a secret. And the answer is, of course, well, no. The problem is they treated it as a soft trend. Oops, that was a hard trend. <laughs> Just like we have in the year 2000, our federal government was predicting a trillion dollar surplus and we treated it as a hard trend and spent as if that money was going to be there. Sure. Oops, that was a soft trend. So separating the hard trends from the soft trends can make all of the difference. And again, uh, I think uh, you didn't mention it, but I've started six companies over the years. Three of them were national leaders in the first year. All were profitable in the first year. In other words, I'm not just a guy who writes and consults and speaks about this stuff. Right. I've actually applied it to businesses myself successfully. And so it has a, a very powerful thing. And by the way, one other little point that, before starting those companies, I taught biology and physics, and I only mention that to let the listeners know that I'm really a science guy, a research guy, who took science and scientific principles and applied it to forecasting when I started Burris Research a little over 30 years ago. So I've got a track record of showing you can indeed do this, and for our listeners that want more on this, of course, you can go to... Uh, Pick up a copy of Flash Foresight. I actually covered it quite well. It's required reading at companies like IBM and Google and hmm. SAP. So they, obviously, if they like it, I think our listeners might like it as well. Yeah, not a, not a bad trend to follow there if you're talking about trends. Now, of course, you brought up the idea of recognizing hard and soft trends. And, uh, you know, that is great, obviously, if you can decipher the two. Are there strategies to figuring out which is which? Are there ways to really start to, to chip away at understanding the difference? Absolutely. And uh, again, I get into much more detail, not only in the book, which is, of course, something that people have to buy, but let's also 
let you know that there's plenty of uh, writings that I have. Uh, for example, on Twitter, I've considered one of the top 20 Twitter guys. So you can go to Daniel Burris on Twitter. I've got uh, close to 100,000 people there. In LinkedIn, where you were, I'm coming up on 600,000 followers because I write uh, a blog a week. By the way, you don't have to pay for those. That's how you found me. So <laughs> you don't have to necessarily, uh, obviously, I get into a lot of detail in the book of how to do it. But let's, in this interview, let's talk about some simple ways right now so we can give some good value to those people that are tuned in. Three categories of hard trend certainties. And by the way, I use the word certainty. Again, hard right. trends will happen if you don't like it too bad. <laughs> they are certain. And Tim, we live in an, a very uncertain world. What's going to happen with the economy? What's going to happen with government? Will they ever agree on anything? What's going to happen with your home prices? What's going to happen with Europe? What's going to happen with Israel? In a world of uncertainty, you have to ask, am I certain of nothing? Because uncertainty keeps you from writing checks. It keeps you from starting a business. It keeps you from hiring. It keeps you from trying something new. On the other hand, certainty gives you the confidence to move forward in a bold way. So the science of certainty based on hard trends is extremely powerful. So let's talk about the three categories I'm going to share with you. One is demographics. For example, in this country, we've got uh, 78 million baby boomers, and it's a hard trend. They will get older. They're not going to get younger. And we know a lot, there are a lot of opportunities, as well as problems that we can see clearly as you look ahead at uh, the baby boomers and, again, what lies ahead. Just right. a quick example of an opportunity. A lot of baby boomers love to go fishing. They love to go boating. But as they get older, not now, but as they get older, they're going to find it uh, more difficult to launch the boat, mm -hmm. more difficult to even get in the boat. Maybe you've got a grandma or grandpa that are going through that right now. Well, why don't you and I, Tim, why don't we start a company based on that hard trend? Why don't we create the easy launch trailer for seniors? Would that have a built-in, fully definable growing market every year? The answer is, of course it would. Mm -hmm. Do we know what countries to export to and what countries to avoid? Definitely. Istanbul, average age 28. Let's not go there. Um, <laughs> but we know exactly where we can go. So you see, you could create literally thousands of companies right. that have low risk, based on just that hard trend alone. Another one I'll give you very quickly, since we have limited time, is government regulations. Mm. Now, most people think they hate regulations, but in reality, hey, get over it. There's a gold mine of opportunity in every regulation, and there's money to be had. For example, I just talked to a young lady in California, and uh, there was a law that was passed in California that said that all preschool and kindergartners all of the stories that they're reading, all the little books for those little kids, half of them within two years have to be nonfiction. By the way, right now they're all fiction. The right. little engine that could is fiction. <laughs> so half of them, by law, have to be nonfiction. Now, see, what most people will do is they'll debate whether that's a good law or not. Hmm. And But what she's doing is doing what I'm suggesting. She has contacted the San Francisco School District, the L.A. School District, and the San Diego School District, the three biggest in the entire state, and said, hey, if I supplied you with books that uh, are nonfiction for that grade level, uh, would you buy them from me? And they said, yeah, we don't know where we're going to get them, and we have to. It's a law. Right. She's going to do quite well. My point is, pay attention, because a hard trend, when a law goes in place, we all debate whether it's good or bad, instead of seeing whoa, there is huge opportunity there. That's a great perspective. Yeah. And uh, the third one is technology, of course. Let's talk about the iPhone 7. 
whoa, hey, wait, we don't even have the six yet. Does anybody know anything about the seven? And the answer is, of course we do. For example, will the seven have a faster processing chip in it than the six, five, four, three, two, or one? The answer is, of course it will. We have 3G wireless now. We have 4G wireless. Is that it? Well, no, we're going to have 5G wireless and 6G wireless. And you can even put a time frame on them. I've been doing it for 30 years, tracking exactly when that'll come out. By the way, I talk about how to do that in Flash Foresight. But uh, let's take another one. Uh, will we be able to store more in the cloud or is the cloud getting full? And of course, the cloud's not getting full. So you see where I'm going with this. Mm -hmm. There's so much that you can see that you can know instead of being blindsided and just being busy. One of the biggest problems all of the listeners have in your companies right now, regardless of its size, is that you're really busy. And you can busy yourself right out of business. Let's face it, all of the top executives of General Motors were all extremely busy for the two years right up to the day they went bankrupt. Sure. So didn't help them. It's not going to help you. Now, it doesn't mean that you should not be busy. It just means you need to spend some time carved out of your day, or at least of your week, where you're strategic, looking at and separating the hard trend certainties from the soft trend ifs or maybes, the things that might happen versus the things that will happen. One last little quick comment in here, and then I'll let you ask another question, and that is you might think I don't like soft trends, but actually, I actually like soft trends just as much as I like hard trends. Because even though a soft trend is not a certainty, it's not guaranteed to happen, the beauty is you can manipulate it, you can change it. Hmm. You don't have to uh, live by it. So if it uh, looks like sales are going down in your industry, and that's the trend, you can follow it down or you can say, wait a minute, I don't have to go with that trend. I can do some innovation and some new things and uh, grow my business. As a matter of fact, uh, during the recession, um, when real estate was doing so bad, as an experiment, I started a company with no employees in real estate just to see if you could make money in real estate when everything was going bad. Right. And uh, that money, uh, you know, within six months, I was on the cover of Wall Street Journal and the New York Times, and it was profitable. I came up with a way to bring in two, uh, $1.2 million a month in recurring revenue, and it went global within eight months, and it was sold within 12. So the point is, hey, that was soft. Right. I don't have to abide by that. There is a statistic right now that says we've been over the last 10 years getting less people becoming doctors and nurses, fewer doctors and nurses. It's a 10 year trend. Every year, the number's going down. At the same time, you and I both know the hard trend of the number of baby boomers that are aging sure. and reaching a retirement age. Looks like a catastrophe up ahead. So let me ask you, Tim, do you think the, that trend of Fewer people becoming doctors and nurses every year is a hard trend that cannot be stopped, or is it a soft trend that could be changed? A soft trend that can be changed. Absolutely. So if we assume that it's a hard trend, and we then try to figure out how are we going to deal with this issue, we end up with all kinds of wrong solutions. Right. For example, with our health care, uh, I won't talk about the politics of what is called Obamacare, but rather, what we really did was we were trying to find a way to pay for the escalating costs and all the baby boomers. And, of course, that's assuming it's un the costs are unstoppable, mm -hmm. rather than realizing that if we used technology to transform purchasing, supply chain, 
and a whole bunch of other parts of healthcare, we could take billions out of the system and have less cost. If we use smartphones and sensors for uh, uh, remote disease management, remote disease uh, for chronic diseases, uh, remote diagnostics, the virtual ER, by the way, which already exists, we could trim amazing costs out of it. So that the point I'm getting is that the making false assumptions, treating them as hard, and then coming up with solutions for things that instead of saying, wait a minute, that's not hard, we can change that if mm-hmm. we want to. So they both are valuable. Yeah, I think the I think those are great, like I said, great points, great perspectives as far as especially not only recognizing the difference of the trends, but how to handle them and how they will, how it'll be effective to handle them one way or the other. Now, of course, organizations, owners, uh, people that are making some of these decisions, they they have a lot of concern about risk and they're always worried, okay, is this going to work? Do I have time for this? If you were speaking to a, an entire group of these types of individuals, what would be your major selling point on why they need to be enacting some of these things and being anticipatory and, and changing their thought process in a way? Yeah, be excellent question. And that is uh, strategy based on uncertainty has high risk. However, strategy based on certainty has low risk. It's an entirely new way to manage risk. So what you have to do is identify the hard trends that are affecting you and your customers in your industry. Those things are going to happen whether you like them or not. And then cherry pick out of those, those hard trends. And of course, every hard trend has an opportunity. So you identify an opportunity with the hard trend with each one. Then you cherry pick and say, which are the ones that I can implement the fastest with the least amount of money and get the biggest payoff? Because big lists never get done. But so I don't want all the things you could do. That's too big a list. I don't want all the things you should do. That's too big a list. I want a couple of things that you feel you must do because the opportunity is too big to not do. And here's a principle I'll share with you that I teach others. And that is, if it can be done, it will be done. If you don't do it, someone else will. All of these new things can be done by your competitors, by the way. Right. So in the past, saying, I think I'll wait. That's safer. Actually, today is more dangerous. Hmm. To say, I think I'll not spend that money because if I don't spend it, I don't have to, it doesn't come out of my account. Might cost you more than the competitive advantage you're losing by not spending it. So you need to rethink those kinds of issues because again, we have so many things that can be done in an inexpensive way today. So many business processes that can be transformed unbelievably inexpensively, even by a small company, to ignore what's taking place is indeed at your risk. Actually, that's the high risk. I have more on the anticipatory organization on my website, which is, of course, www.burrus.com. So it is, it's really a way of looking at how do we not just react. We're going to have to continue to react, but we can also anticipate. Very well said. With that, we will have to close out this edition of Management Decisions. Daniel, once again, thank you for coming on, sharing some intriguing perspectives. And obviously, uh, you've proven very successful in a number of different areas with these same thoughts. So hopefully our listeners will take to heart everything you talked about today. I appreciate you coming on the show. You got it. Thank you. Once again, that is our guest, Daniel Burris. He is the CEO of Burris Research, also the author of the New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestselling book, Flash Foresight. Again, uh, some interesting conversation and uh, hopefully for all those listening, some areas that will help you moving forward with your businesses. 
And if you are interested in leaving us a comment or giving us any feedback, go ahead and email ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You can also find us on Twitter at the LJN. Join in the conversation there using hashtag LJN Radio. For everyone here at LJN Radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later. Mm-hmm.